Welcome to the multitask. This is John. This is your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I know as we were preparing for uh, this week's pod, I think we and I were all planning on talking about the damage that the shutdown was going to do. But, I mean, granted, we still have to, we're still trying to get things through the Senate, but it looks like as of the time that we're recording this pod, the shutdown has been averted. So, what was your initial reaction? Were you caught off guard like I was? Yeah, partly, I think I had it wrong. I thought the vote was Monday. I thought the government shutdown happened Monday, and that's why I was a little bit caught off guard because they were working today. But before we get into it, John, it, it's only a temporary 45-day hold, right? They still have to do this again in 45 days, correct? Yeah, we, 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 we may very well be doing this again in 45 days. Yeah, yes. so color me cynical, but I, I, I think for the most part, it's just a temporary pause. It's a truce until we go at it again in 45 days. What's interesting about that is right around the holidays, right around Christmas and everything. And I think that benefits the idea of getting things done for the sake of um, making sure that people get paid and the government doesn't shut down. Overall, I mean, Democrats clearly uh, were on the same page here. I think the few, I think only one Democrat voted against it. I don't know who that person is. I don't particularly think it's important. Oh, it was, and it was, and it was, it was very principled. And, and you know how normally, especially you, you know my, uh, you know my Twitter peers, uh, and I, I know that had it been the wrong person, they would have freaked out. But the actual uh, vote against it, the one Democrat to vote against it, was Mike Quigley. And Quigley's reasoning was that it did not include aid for Ukraine. And um, he is the chair of the Ukraine caucus. So I feel that it was a principled protest vote that didn't cost us anything. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, I, I know actually, that sometimes we feel that. I'll say he's actually my congressman. So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I say, I, I think, um, you know, under normal circumstances, or down, I won't say under normal circumstances. I know that uh, my people, my tribe, my my Twitter tribe, uh, not X. I'm not on X. I'm on Twitter. Uh, but my 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 Twitter tribe is really unforgiving uh, when it comes to stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, and uh, when when the far left does it. But I think that you know it was a principled move. But you know, as I was saying before, before we started, and I don't want to engage in unnecessary spin, although that's what we do. But I do feel like McCarthy got played. Um, not I don't, well, maybe played's not the right word, but he caved. You know, um, when you think about all the stuff that they were promising, all of the stuff that they were threatening, um, the only thing that the Democrats wanted, they didn't want any of the cuts. Remember, the Republicans wanted these cuts, these cuts, these cuts, these cuts, these cuts. They didn't get any of those cuts. And really, the only thing that they got was that Ukraine was not included in the bill. Now, the reality is, is that um, I read somewhere that Ukraine was going to always be handled separately anyways. So, you know, um, and here's the thing, 90 Democrats or nine, or I'm sorry, 90 Republicans voted against the bill. That mean that meant that not only do we keep it open, but McCarthy had to keep it open with Democratic votes, which is, you know, undermines him with his caucus almost. So like I say, every, every, every Democrat, but Mike quickly voted for it and Nancy Pelosi would have never, ever, ever, never, no, never needed that many Republican votes to pull something across the line. I think McCarthy's uh, speakership is effectively over. 
Yeah, so we just thought we were, we were kind of talking about this pre-pod, but I, I think his, his speakership was effectively over the day he couldn't get the votes to be speaker. I think that was the key thing here. Um, I understand why you say he got played, and that's the general feeling, is when you reach across the aisle to need Democrats to help you, then that's going to go over well, not going to go over well amongst your base. And seeing how the number one trending topic on Twitter is he's a Democrat, I can only assume that they're talking about McCarthy in that moment. So I totally get that he might have lost the far right of the party, but he never had them to begin with, right? That's what I mean by I don't think he got played in this sense. If he shuts the government down or doesn't pass a, a, a continuation, they were going to oust him anyways, right? There was reports that starting next week, Matt Gates was going to go after him and, and try to oust him as speaker. And I said on Twitter, I sent you a message that said, I think their plan is to shut the government down, remove McCarthy from the speakership, and then blame him. That would be the main reason that they do it. And he, I think, saw the writing on the wall. So it was a lose-lose for him. It's always going to be a lose-lose for him. But the reason I think this is the best-case scenario is he doesn't get blamed for a government shutdown. This story was trending on Shade Room. Again, Shade Room, not the greatest limit test, but I'm just saying it was trending everywhere. The government shutdown was going to be talked about continuously, and they were going to blame McCarthy for it on both sides of the aisle. It wasn't like Republicans were going to blame Democrats and Democrats were going to blame Republicans. Democrats were going to blame uh, McCarthy, and the, right, and the Republicans were going to blame McCarthy. So in that sense, he avoided that. And he gets to stay out of the news a little bit longer and figure out what happens in 45 days. So I think I understand why he came. I totally get the idea. I don't disagree with the logic of it. I just think best case for him was avoiding a shutdown and not getting blamed for it. And in that sense, he was successful in that. Granted, it's going to eat him up within the party, right? Especially after, and we'll talk about it, but the, the impeachment trial was a, just a complete, or not trial, the uh, inquiry was a complete mess. He's had a series of losses, and I think they're going to get rid of him soon enough. So at least this isn't on his legacy, at least for now, is how I look at it. Yeah, well, the thing is, anytime, and we're, we're maybe speaking modern times, I would assume that in a in a previous uh, time uh, in which we were less partisan, I would assume that... Um, being, you know, losing 98 of your members or 90, I'm not sure what the exact numbers, I'm not sure it was 90 or 98, but losing, you know, 90 plus members of, of your own party on a vote uh, is a bad sign for, for a speaker. Um, you know, but as someone's, the, the, the thing is someone else said, and I kind of agree with this is, realistically, has he ever really truly been speaker? He holds the title, but has he ever been able to flex? I mean, we all know what Pelosi was able to do. We knew that, you know, um, Pelosi wasn't just merely the title of speaker, but there was a respect that even certain factions of her caucus who were not on board with her 110%, there was respect that was always given to her. I don't, I've never seen that respect uh, given to McCarthy. I think he's always been someone, I don't think, I don't think Pelosi's ever had to worry about legitimate threats to her leadership i think mccarthy has never ever had a moment where he hasn't worried about legitimate threats to his leadership yeah one thousand percent and i think the, the difference between them is not even close and um yeah but mccarthy's flanked on both sides and pelosi never had to deal with that partly because of how good she is and how democrats operate generally but 
that's what I mean earlier about McCarthy is like, he's really flanked on both sides. Right. And I, there was reports that Pelosi said we're not like, or she was urging people not to help him. If they were going to get rid of him, uh, Republicans are going to get rid of him. Democrats not to cut any deals, not to step in, like let the Republicans kind of cause their own circus and, and let them deal with it. But in this case, Democrats win because the government wasn't shut down and people win, right? People aren't suffering and, and people are being paid for now. And then I think, I think this is just a notch in McCarthy's belt in one way. And that's, he doesn't get to have a government shutdown on his watch. Now here's what's interesting, John, if they vacate him, if Matt Gates goes ahead and gets rid of him or whatever the situation may be, um, then they could blame, then he doesn't have a government shutdown on his record. He's just going to be, it's not going to be on him, but here's what I'm thinking, John, there's only 90 Republicans that voted against this bill. That's my guess as to what Matt Gates has. I think he has those 90 and I think he has, he thinks he's going to get Democrats to vote to get rid of McCarthy. That's what I think Matt Gates thinks. Tell me if I'm wrong, John. Did this vote make you think that Matt Gates doesn't have the votes to do what he wants to do? Um, I didn't really consider that. Um, I think, look, I really don't know, and I and I can't predict what's going to happen within the Republican conference. It's funny. The Democrats call themselves a caucus. The Republicans call themselves a conference. I find that very fascinating, by the way, that just so you know, the Democrats never used the phrase conference leader, but that's uh, that's an aside. But I don't know what goes on in the Republican con- conference. And one of the things that um, I do think the vote said is McCarthy knows that if he's going to have any kind of ability to effectively lead this place, it's going to come with um, some type of you know working relationship with Democrats. Now it's funny because I got I got the piece you sent me about how Pelosi said, don't deal with them. But I saw someone else say, and I think, it, no, it was it was actually Rep. Jayapal was saying, kind of like it is in the Senate, um, especially when it was a true 50-50 tie. But, um, you know, the Democrats, if, if there's going to be any kind of protection for McCarthy, it's got to come with a power-sharing agreement. I hear what Pelosi's saying, but does a power-sharing agreement... You know that, that that might save that that might save McCarthy his speakership, but it also means that he is going to if he wants to hold on to power, he is going to have to play with Democrats, and the more he plays with Democrats, the more he's going to need them because it'll be more threats to his power. Um, what what are your thoughts? I, first of all. Do you agree? I mean, you and I are young. We're naive. We do not know. We do not know nearly what Nancy Pelosi knows. But from our from our, you know, not knowing, you know, and I think because she says something, we need to give it a lot of thought. But uh, (coughs) from your perspective, uh, if we had not heard from Pelosi, uh, what what do you think of that power sharing scheme that, you know, that Jayapal floated? I don't, I don't know if that's, uh, well, I don't know if it's a fair power share in the sense that if you're power sharing with Democrats, then you lost already because you're really going to need them for everything. Like you said, once you go to them one time, you're going to need them for everything else. I think what Pelosi means is don't get involved, don't get involved in Republican mess. The government shutdown is not a Republican thing. It's a bipartisan thing. 
it's uh, life-saving, it's um, job-saving, et cetera, et cetera. So us working with him on certain things to help the country isn't uh, – is, it's not what I think Pelosi was talking about. I think what she was talking about was don't let the McCarthy being vacated as speaker – don't see any angles there. Just let them have it. Let them figure it out on their own and stay out of it. Because even the impeachment inquiry, and I know we'll talk about it, John, but even that stuff, I think it's all wins for Democrats. Like when McCarthy leads, it's a win-win for us because they're going to be messy. And then if we do something like the government shutdown, we put a continuation on it, then that's also a win for Democrats. So um, I totally get what she's saying. I just think she means there's no angles here. Like do whatever you need to help the country and that's fine. Outside of that, let's not get involved. And I, I think that's what happened today was they were just, they voted in, in benefit of the country. It, they didn't look at it like a McCarthy thing. Yeah, it, it, it will, you know, I'm really curious as to see how things will play out. Um, you know, but let's, you know, let's celebrate. Um, you know, some people, uh, some folks got on and they really, they, they went after, the. some people on the left went after the them saying, you know, we got nothing out of it. Um, first of all, I think we got a lot out of it. But more importantly, isn't the most important thing and the reason why we send our people members of Congress is part of, part of the reason why I feel like we got a lot out of it is because the American people won. Is it, and isn't that our overall objective, right? The fact that you do not have uh, service members missing paychecks. You know, I've got a, a, a nephew who works for the FAA, who's an air traffic controller. I got a cousin who works for TSA. Um, you know, the people whose benefits would be cut. I think we've all seen the clips of the various government workers who um, were in tears because of the potential missing paychecks. Um, I think the reality is, is that for people on the left saying that we got nothing out of it, if the people that we profess to care about are not suffering, and we know that that was the, what the Republicans Either if it wasn't their goals, that would have been the byproduct of their actions. Don't you think that that's a victory for the for for the people on the left? Don't you think that's a victory for Democrats? One thousand percent, one thousand percent, it's a victory for Democrats, but also for a big reason. I think nobody's really talking about. Granted, this might just be put on hold for forty five days, but um, this is gonna not. This is gonna go away now. as a new story, and that was ultimate like. As far as politically, right? Obviously, when people miss paychecks and the people that you mentioned, obviously, those are the most important people, right? But the political spin on this is the government shutdown is just things that Biden has to answer for. It's not his responsibility. I think the narrative was shifting to blame Republicans, and that was healthy. And I saw the media doing that really well, at least from what I've seen. But the fact that he doesn't have to go out and talk about this is also a win. So, yes, of course, the main win of people not suffering and people missing paychecks but the real political win here is you can now um, focus on what you need to focus, campaign on what you need to campaign, and not have to worry about the government being shut down. Because as soon as it shuts down, John, Biden has to get involved on some level, right? And I think he, that it's always beneficial when he doesn't have to do that. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the – like, I understand the whole idea of it being um, politically – like, outside of the people who are being affected. But – Tell me if I'm wrong. Did you see the media really handle this? And this is a Republican mess sort of situation. Like, I don't think anybody was blaming Biden for this. Yeah, they they did to a certain extent. And what what I laughed about um, was, first and foremost, was if you noticed later in the week, um, as we were leading up to it, 
McCarthy was demanding or, or requesting, I shouldn't say demanding, but requesting a meeting with Biden. And Biden's like, I ain't got nothing to do with this. This is between you and your people. Um, because I think the other thing now, what I was kind of disappointed now, maybe this would have, narrative would have changed had the government shut down. Um, but what I was kind of disappointed on was one simple thing, was the fact that a, some people were talking about this, but not enough, that if we had a shutdown, this shutdown was really going to be a function or a byproduct of McCarthy not keeping his word. you know. And that was kind of the thing that Biden said, is like, there's nothing to negotiate, because when we negotiated the debt ceiling deal back over the summer, that, when I say we, when they negotiated the debt ceiling deal over the summer, um, basically, uh, this shutdown, had it happened, would have really been the result of McCarthy going back on his word. So, you know, again, um, I, I, did, did you feel that that was communicated prior to the shutdown that didn't happen? And one, if it wasn't, do you think it would have been had the shutdown happened? Or do you think that would have been uh, an important fact that the press would have just conveniently forgot? It wouldn't have been the first thing they mentioned, but I saw the, the one of the biggest clips from today was Hakeem Jeffries talking about, hey, we just, we just want you to stay to the, the deal you agreed to. We're not asking for more. You guys are ready to agree to a deal. And I think that would have been part of the conversation for sure. Hakeem Jeffries was great in that moment. And I think it would have been part of the conversation. I just don't think it would have been the main part of the conversation, right? Remember, John, we're in an election year. Not that you need a reminder, but and anytime the government shut down, well, we're not in a we're we're, we're leading up, we're leading up to an election year. We're not in an election year. We're leading up to an election. We're year. effectively campaigning for November, right? And I totally get what you're saying, but this is what everybody's going to be talking about. Is I'm sure a question would have been asked on CNN or any any of the news stations about. Um, does the government shut down hurt Biden, right? There would have been poll numbers. There would have been polls, right? And so um, that's what have been, I think, the main thing that people would have talked about well, amongst the idea that this is Republicans' fault. But somewhere in there, I'm sure the McCarthy point would have been brought up. Yes. Now, um, we know, first of all, Hakeem gave a speech. I didn't hear it. I'll watch it later. But I, I've seen some clips, and I guess he was on fire, Um some people even told me his uh, sometimes nemesis AOC was behind him, just hooting, hollering, and 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 uh, big up in him. You know, uh, you know, she started to grow on me. By the way, I'm starting, I'm starting to become a little bit of a fan. Um, but um, the story, and it's funny that the Republicans want to lean on it. I know there might be some harsh penalties, but um, what do you make of Jamal Bowman's? Um, well, he admits he did it. Now, his explanation is what people are kind of dubious about. What do you think of Jamal Bauman's uh, fire alarm stunt? Uh, it was the most comical and curious side note of the day. So, uh, what, what do you, I mean, and, and just, you know, the most comical thing of the day should have been the fact that McCarthy got clowned. But knowing that, uh, and it's something that, I mean, I guess, I, one, I want to know what he was thinking. Two... You know, how mad we should really be at him. Three, what are legitimate and appropriate consequences? And four, I do have a hard time with the right coming down so hard when they can ignore Trump's four indictments, which result in 90 charges. They they want to expel Bauman, but they're very happy serving with George Santos. Uh, what, what's your read on everything? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily paying attention to the Republicans' reaction. They think this is an insurrection, and they want Jamal Bowman, and they want Jack Smith to indict him. And I and I get that. I get that. That's what they're going to do. Look, the, the the downside of this, John, this is harmless. Nobody was harmed in this. But the downside of this is the conversation we're having now, right? The the narrative of the day should have been McCarthy, and and, and it is in a little bit, but um, they get to say, well, look at what the Democrats are doing, right? And that's just the unfortunate part of this. His excuse is just that, right? Like, he, there's no excuse. So he has to make up this idea of, oh, I thought it was just going to open the door, right? He knows what he was doing, right? The best way to come out this, John, and you taught me this in class, is the difference between Clement and, Clement and Pettit, right? Just come out and say, oh, I, I just, I was running across the field. I thought this would be the most efficient way it was to set the fire alarm so these doors are open. It was a mistake. It was a lapse of judgment, right? Trying to explain this away is going to be a mistake, and he's going to have to deal with those consequences. As far as punishment, I understand that this is a, a felony. I understand this is illegal. Um, I think you have to, like most cases, deal with context, deal with the history. It's not like he's known for doing things. Um, and I just think maybe, I don't know what sort of congressional uh, punishment there is. As far as legally, I don't think that he should be punished at all. This was a lapse of judgment. It was a mistake. Nobody was harmed because of it. And we have to accept that. Now, I have to ask myself a question. What if this was Matt Gates or Kevin McCarthy? And I think I would probably feel the same. Like, I don't, I'm not a big put him in jail type of person, unless it's really deserved, right? And so I don't think legally anything should have happened to anybody. It's just, it's just a lapse of judgment. He's known, right, John? Like, we talk about it all the time. He's kind of known for these stunts, um, yelling at people after the Uvalde shooting or, um, other things like that. Um, I know earlier this week he was in the news for talking about the Biden should center the the Fab Five or whatever it is in the campaign and attract young voters and stuff like that. I get it. He's progressive. He's thinking outside the box, but this is a clear, clear mistake. Yeah. Um, I think, and you know, it, it's kind of, it, it, it's a selective prosecution again, or it's a selective outrage, I should say. Um, I think Bauman should definitely be checked. Maybe he should be held accountable. But I, I, you and I both know that um, when people are accused of something, uh, sometimes people do and uh, though they have there's discretion. Um, you know that's why one person can shoot somebody and get you know first degree murder. Another person can shoot somebody and get manslaughter. Another person, as happened recently in Chicago shoot somebody, have a concealed carry, and not face any charges, right? Um, I would be very careful with how hard you come after uh, Jamal, Malman, Jamal Bauman. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be held accountable. I'm saying that, um, you know, a, a, a death penalty, considering that the majority party actually has a, uh, a, a, a criminal uh, defendant in its ranks, um, and they've not expelled him, Right. Many people in the uh, majority party back a gentleman who's got, you know, four felony uh, indictments um, and he's already credibly been, you know, found to have committed fraud. Uh, You know, we have we have to get to that today, too, but found to have committed fraud and was also found to have committed sexual assault. So, you know, I would be very careful. Um, you know, or it's just, if, if you're not holding those folks accountable, why, you know, what integrity do you have holding, um, 
I can't say what was going through Jamal Bauman's head, but I have a hard, I have a, I have a hard time accepting people coming down so hard on him. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm reading Twitter, and there's there's going to be two motions: one to to um, censure him, and one to expel him. Um, yeah, if you want to censure him, fine. If that's the, the the handcuff, if that's the slap on the wrist that he has to take, then I get it. But um, the GOP of trying to expel him is just outrageous, considering Santos, considering Trump. Also, I know it's the House, but considering the senator from Jersey, right? Like Republicans haven't even come out and that's a Democrat, right? That's a Democrat. Republicans haven't even come out and said anything. And here's just, again, it was a mistake, but it wasn't um, that big of a mistake to me. It was just a lapse of judgment. And granted, I don't know how far they're going to take him, but the fact that they voted no, remember there was a vote for George Santos, if I'm not mistaken, right, John? And every Republican voted no. So if they, if he gets exposed to this, I think that's, Absolutely outrageous. I don't think he will, but um, I wonder what ends up happening. Right. It's it, it's, and I I hope George Santos also uh, keeps his mouth shut. I uh, hope hope he doesn't decide that he's going to be holier than now sanctimonious. Um, <laughs> so one of the things uh, that I wanted to talk about, and I think it was a win for Biden uh, this week. The president had a good week. I think he I think he had a good week. Um, but he went ahead and he walked a picket line in Michigan uh, for the UAW. I thought it was good. Some people thought it may have been a response to Trump's threat to do so or what have you. But the UAW made it clear that Trump was not welcome on their picket line. Um, what What was your thoughts? And, you know, as a union member myself, um, I'm, uh, you know, uh, AFT, IFT, uh, Teachers Union, um, Local 6602. Um, but, uh, what, what was your reaction to seeing Biden walking the picket line with the UAW workers? Yeah. I mean, this, I think in any other kind of political week would have been, uh, the biggest story. It's, it's funny that it's not even top five, right? There's, there's Trump, there's the house, there's Feinstein, there's all these different stories that kind of happened this week. And this is remarkable. The first time a sitting president has, uh, joined a picket line, also, John, like I know you just talked about unions, and I'm not in a union. I, I I hope to aspire to be in the WGA and the DGA and stuff like that. That was in the news this week as the WJ uh, WGA uh, reached a, a settlement or agreement. So I think union talk has been really big this year because of that and the strikes across this country. And remember, John, this is in juxtaposition of what Trump's doing there, right? He met with non-union workers said they were union workers, held up, gave them side that said they were union workers. It's fascinating that Michigan is a state that Biden won, that Trump won in 16. Granted, people faulted Hillary, right? And Trump didn't have the reputation that he has now. And a lot of people thought he was pro-worker and pro-labor, et cetera, et cetera. And the UAW coming out and saying they want nothing to do with Trump. He's anti-union, anti-worker, anti-employee benefits, and that happening the same week Biden comes and joins them at the picket line is fascinating. This isn't, here's the interesting part of this, John, is this, this is clearly a play for Michigan. It's not a play for the country. It's, it, it shows that Biden's pro-union and pro-worker, but this isn't going to necessarily matter in other states as much as I think a lot of Michigan people will appreciate this. And look, it, people are cynic, cynical when it comes to politics. They understand that, Politicians tend to show up a year before the election, try to get press, try to get garner votes. 
But at the end of the day, this is still a big deal. I think this is still a big deal that he went down there and put his uh, put his foot on the line and uh, joined them. And I think I don't know if it gains him any votes. I just definitely didn't think it gained Trump any votes. And I think if you just carry Michigan, then you're you're in good shape. And I think this is a play for that. Yeah. Well, I, I also to your point. I'm. I really truly believe that um, Trump's little stunt did not. I don't. I don't want to say it backfired. I don't think it was effective. I mean, when I say because I think backfired means that it sets him back. I think the thing about Trump is I don't think he can. I think his base is his base, and I don't think that anything that he does, anything that happens to him, is a is a backfire. What it does do is it does limit his appeal as relates to increasing the numbers he needs to be. I don't see anybody who voted for Biden in 2020 turning around and saying, I'm voting for Trump in 2024. I can't see people who voted for Trump in 2024 saying, I'm voting for Biden. Um, But, you know, um, I, I thought it was masterfully played. Trump's rhetoric, you know, we're about we'll get this into a minute, has been just just crazy. But, you know, I just, you know, for what do they have on Biden? You know, the Hunter stuff's not going. You and I talked about, or you mentioned briefly that the impeachment hearing was a joke. You know, I mean, people, they, how, how do you have an impeachment hearing and just get clowned by your own witness who says that there's not enough there to impeach? Um, and then, you know, people like Max Frost. Jasmine Crockett, uh, you know, I want you to go back if you haven't seen it. Go watch just Jimmy Raskin's opening statement. Um, I mean, it was it, it was horrible. I would say Biden had a good week, and and I know that we've had, I think the week before, the week before, the week before, you know, Biden had a rough patch. But if people are looking at this the right way, I mean, the worst that came out last week was that Biden is having to do exercises to make sure that his balance is okay and that he's wearing sneakers. And 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 people want to act like his age is the equivalent to Trump's legal exposure. Come on, get out of here. Yeah, well, yeah. The president wearing sneakers to work. That's the like that's going to really win you, win you over the young voters who are all in tune with that by the way. Nobody wants to wear a suit every day to work. So totally backfired on them as well. Also John, um like he he said that the the Millie should be executed. Like he, what's interesting about the Biden age thing is, look, it's been what seven years, eight years since Trump ran in fifteen. He clearly is older. He's clearly tired. He's not as again. I make fun of people who make fun of Biden, and I don't want to say anything about his mental state as far as Trump goes, but he's down a rabbit hole that he can't find his way up. And that's not the same as making sure the old guy doesn't slip on the tarmac. Like that's not the same thing where you're going on conspiracy theories about needing a voter ID or or ID to buy chicken or whatever he was saying, buy bread or whatever he was saying. Um, These are conspiracy theories that I think on some level Trump believes that people in Hollywood can't shower. So they all smell bad, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that he said. Uh, just this past week. And so that's not the same thing as Biden taking secret trips to Ukraine, <laughs> meeting with world leaders, just because he wears sneakers means absolutely nothing to do with that. And I'm ready, John, for us to lean into that. Like, I, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm, I'm watching from afar, 
Biden's leaning into the age thing, says, all right, there's no on-the-job training. I've, I've been there, done that. I know what I'm doing. So I understand that that's your con- their, 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 um, that's how they're combating the, the thing. But I think you lead into it with the Trump stuff. Just show the video of what Trump's doing and what Biden's doing. It's going to be a clear difference of who's capable and who's not capable. And so I think you lean into it a little bit. You talked about the impeachment hearing. I don't know if we're going to talk about it in depth, but it reminded me, John, of... I know this backfired, John, because first of all, People know Jasmine Crockett's name now. She's an absolute superstar. Nobody knew her name prior to this week, at least amongst the national kind of conversation, right? So good for her because that was a rock star moment. You talked about Raskin. You talked about, uh, I don't know, who's Amasovich? What's his name? The, the funny guy who wears the blue suit? Um, Josh, yeah, Josh, Josh Moskowitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he had great moments. All of those videos were online, John. I didn't see a single thing from Republicans online. It reminded me, John, of... It's, it doesn't happen in Bears country much anymore, but when your football team's leading by a lot and they start doing trick plays and they get the fridge a touchdown and then they get the backup tight, the, the backup lineman a touchdown, it felt like that where it was like, mm-hmm. okay, Raskin scored. All right, all right. Let's get Jasmine Crockett a touchdown. Let's get this person a touchdown. Let's get this person a touchdown. That's what it felt like. It was like just W after W after W. Cobra had no idea what to do. Uh, who's the – um? Is it Goldman? Goldman who tried to introduce the evidence of of um, whatever he was trying to do and Comer wasn't going for it until he had to absolutely had to. That was a viral moment. AOC had a phenomenal moment. I know how your feelings about her, but she had a great moment talking about the text messages. On message, John, what all of them, our entire lineup was on the same page. They clearly had a game plan going into it. And Republicans, it's funny, it's like Republicans used to the Hillary stuff, right, John? I wasn't old enough to watch those hearings or pay attention to those Benghazi hearings, but that stuck on her, and partly because they were just saying stuff and hoping it would stick, right? In this case, John, Republicans know that they have nothing, there is no evidence, and they know they can't do anything. But what they're hoping for is that it just sticks to the national conversation. And they're gonna they're gonna probably impeach him and hope for the best. And that's just not sticking anymore. So now they're talking about removing Comer, putting Jim Jordan, who I who I do think is competent and knows how to kind of control those hearings a little bit better. But at the end of the day, if if they're admitting that this was a disaster, Republicans are admitting this is a disaster, and it was just good. It was good to see Democrats stick up for each other, Democrats stick up for the truth, and Democrats to fight uh, the narrative. And and I don't think that narrative is going to stick anymore. Yeah, it's it's. Um... Look, um, I think part of the challenge that we have, and, and it goes back to what we talk about each week, is um, the media likes to sensationalize. And, I, and you and I say it every week, and I want to say it again without being a broken record. Uh, the media is not the enemy. They just let us down a lot. Um, and they don't let us down as Democrats. They let us down from their desire to remain neutral and their desire to um, tolerate absolute BS uh, in an effort to remain neutral, right? They, they prioritize neutrality over the truth. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I really think is necessary that, that, that needs to happen is, is we actually need more events like the impeachment hearing. I don't want the impeachment hearings to go on, but we need them <coughs> to be seen and reported on and shown that, look, these guys are crazy. I mean, 
here's the thing, and I don't know, again, you don't watch a lot of news, but you and I both saw enough of the impeachment hearings to know that there's a great story there for Democrats and a negative story for Republicans. Will the people who need to see that see that, or will they just be oblivious to it? I think they'll see it. And more importantly, John, here's what's crazy. And don't take this the wrong way, John, because I do think the heart of the Democratic Party is obviously that crowd, that that 40 to 60 crowd, for sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that young people will drive this election, but it's pretty clear in 18 and 20 and definitely in 2022, young people are voting at a higher clip than ever before. Even, John, in the Chicago mayoral election that went to a runoff, young people voted at an all-time high. And... Sure, maybe the 55-year-old isn't on TikTok watching Jasmine Crockett, but I went on my TikTok, John, and she was everywhere. She was everywhere. Every other video that I flipped was Jasmine Crockett handing them their ass, right? And so these young people are enough to flip an election. I'm not saying they're the bulk of it, and I'm not giving them credit for all of it. All I'm saying is you're definitely winning young voters over by these moments and they definitely see through the BS. I think older voters see through the BS. I just think it's a show, show up. It's, it's a matter of can you get people to show up to the ballot boxes? Young people, I think, see through it wholeheartedly. I don't think there's anybody who's, who's there's young Republicans. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is if you're young in this country, you're probably going to skew towards Democrats or left-leaning issues and Republicans offer you nothing to get you over, right? 20 years ago, that wasn't the case, right? It was like immigration and, and law and order and people like that, right? There's a lot of conservative Americans, black, brown, yellow, whatever it is that are skew a little bit moderate and a little bit conservative. It's younger with this, it's it's gone with this Republican party. And so younger generation is going to continue to uh, vote for them. And that's, that's what I think they see through. <laughs> I'm laughing. Um, it just, just, <laughs> this just broke. What will happen? Uh, okay. So. Something to do with Mitch McConnell? The House. Yeah, no, well, just, you know, everything passed the Senate, but uh, the House Dems leadership. I'll just read to you. Um, uh, uh, I'll read to you his statement. Um, they, you know, they passed the spending bill. And the Democrats uh, went ahead uh, and issued a statement. Um, Hakeem, Catherine Clark, and Aguilar uh, released a statement that said, when the House returns, we expect Speaker McCarthy to advance a bill to, to the House floor for an up and down vote that supports Ukraine, consistent with his commitment to making sure that Vladimir Putin, Russia, and authoritarianism, authoritarianism are defeated. We must stand with with the Ukrainian people until victory is won. Um, and evidently, <laughs> Matt Gates just quote tweeted that statement and said this. And if this is true, uh, I don't expect a, a long future for Speaker McCarthy. It says, "Wow, Speaker McCarthy made a side deal, made a side Ukrainian deal with the Democrats, and didn't tell House Republicans until after his continuing resolution passed." So did he just tell House Republicans? So the reality is, is that <laughs> if, if, if 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 I've got to see how it goes, but <laughs> so, but John. <laughs> John, 
let's do a little quick politics <laughs> translate. This should be a segment every week. You're behind the scenes. This statement, uh-huh. by the way, you're behind the scenes, not in this moment. I'm saying you play politics behind the scenes in your normal job, right? Is this statement mean this is happening or is this a play to call his bluff? Or is there clear evidence that he made a deal to get a, a separate Ukraine bill? I, uh, everything I can give you right now is just speculative because I, you know, I'm learning about this on Twitter. I have I have no inside um, knowledge of this, but I would just say that, um, I would just say that if the Democrats are able to get this Ukrainian stuff done in the next two weeks, and if there was a side deal cut, um, I don't know. Now, just so you know, though, and this is important. The first two weeks of October, they will not be in session. The first two weeks of October were scheduled. They were scheduled already to be what they call. Some people call it a recess. Those of us who work for members of Congress and members of Congress oftentimes refer to it as an in-district work period. Um, and so the next two weeks are in-district work period. So it'll be fascinating to see um, what happens. But wow. If McCarthy did cut a side deal, because, you know, I don't think Matt Gates can be trusted, but for the Democrats to come out so hard saying we expect this and now knowing um, that, you know, McCarthy going forward might need Democratic votes for a lot of stuff. I do not necessarily think that um, McCarthy is in a position to really, you know, resist some of the expectations i won't say demands but expectations that the democrats have of him yeah i mean this this is really full circle to what we began talking about is the shared power right is this is this kevin mccarthy finally saying all right my only salvage is to work with democrats to keep my job and not keep his job as a congressman keep his job as speaker if this might be an indication of that to say all right, if the right's going to come after me, they're going to come after me regardless. Let me just do my job and let me try to get wins here and there. Um, but, John, how does it work if he's not the speaker? Like, what if he can't bring a bill up? You know what I mean? So the deal the goes thing, null and void, the, no? The, the, here, here's the thing. Um, there, I think they might be using discharge. They might start using discharge positions. But the other thing, though, too, is... Um, you have a situation where Matt, whoever Matt Gates um, and his wing put up, I bet you they'll have a hard time getting votes. And someone said, as bad and as disliked as McCarthy is, McCarthy is potentially the only person who could actually lead the Republican uh, conference, if that makes sense. Um, because he, as as unpopular as it is, I don't think anybody else on the Republican side would get more votes than him. Maybe Steve Scalise, uh, but we know Scalise is dealing with some health issues. I've heard, heard Tom Emmer, who's, I think, from Minnesota. But I think we have a situation where a lot of people feel that... Um, the best thing going against McCarthy is that there is no Republican that can get more votes than he does. Will. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think Gates has the votes. I think today was a clear indication of that. 
I'm not sure. That's that's also why I think Gates won't bring it up because Gates knows he might not. He's using it as a threat. And today, I don't know if you noticed, McCarthy said, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, he said, if you're going to do it, just do it. Like enough of the threats, enough of the kind of call your bluff. Um, just do it and get it over with. And I think that Matt Gates probably doesn't have the votes. I've also heard of Jim Jordan, right? I don't know where he stands as far as the McCarthy Gates camp, but um, they really love him over there. And I wonder if that's a play for them as well. Um, obviously, Scalise was the second when they were voting back when this Congress started. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I I think you're right. I think he just doesn't have the votes to to be vacated. And McCarthy probably just keeps his job for the next year. Although I think he loses his job one way or the other in 24. But I also fully expect him. Um, I, 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 I fully expect Gates to definitely troll um, to, to, to absolutely troll uh, McCarthy. And I don't think that he will avoid going for the vote. I think he'll continue to press for the vote. Um, and I think that we'll continue. I think they will vote. I think they'll make Kevin sweat. I just think that'll be an exercise that will make, you know, you know, be embarrassing, waste a lot of time. Um, but I don't think it results in McCarthy being displaced. Right. So I don't, I do think that Gates hates, and, and you know, he's all about the troll. Gates hate McCarthy. Gates hate, Gates hates McCarthy enough. And for the world that Matt Gates lives in, there's a lot of value and respect for the troll. So um, I do, I do anticipate that Gates will still try to try to move something. Yeah. But I think that's his only play. And as you know, John, you can only threaten so much without action before you become almost voiceless as well. So I think Gates has one play in him, but he has to either do it now or, or he's not going to do it for the year. Right. And so this is the right time to do it. If he's going to do it. I just don't think he will. I think McCarthy's today made me really see that. I don't think Matt Gates can do it. Um, because Matt Gates isn't that popular either, John, right? Like when McCarthy was losing that vote over and over, it wasn't by hundreds of votes, right? It was like by a dozen votes or five or six votes. It wasn't like he was getting like the majority of the of the Republicans voted for him. And I think the majority will again. I don't think that Matt Gates can do it. But interesting development of today for sure. Right. Right, right. So we got to start winding down. But remember, there are um, we, we, we have a lot to go through still. First and foremost, the Trump organization's out of business. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts about what the judge did? I mean, awesome. What a, what a, he's going to continue to take L's after L's. This is one is important because the Trump organization is his legacy in a lot of ways. He, he feels like he's made billions of dollars. The Mar-a-Lago stuff is fascinating as far as the valuation. Um, look, I want him in jail. This is nothing to me, but this is also a great sign too, to liquidate it. I, I don't know what's going to happen as far as legality of it, but the Trump organization, as far as I'm concerned, is over and as it should be. Yeah, and then, uh, well, you know, I wonder, I had heard that um, the Trump business uh entity that owns Trump Tower Chicago is actually a New York based entity. So my question is what happens to Trump Tower? Will we see those letters coming down soon? Um that should be interesting. So next thing is I want to get to it is um Diane Feinstein died. Um I'm not sure which direction Kevin McCarthy goes. Uh I mean not Kevin McCarthy, I'm sorry. 
Gavin Newsom uh, goes, you know, he has to appoint pretty quickly because we have a 50-50 or close to 50-50 tie in the Senate. Um, and so we need that back, especially considering we might lose Bob Menendez. Um, but I have a I have a dark horse favorite because remember, uh, Gavin Newsom said he was going to appoint a black woman. And I think that had it had it not been um, <clears> that this happened before there was an actual race, I think that the no brainer would have been Barbara Lee. But since she's running, I think that there's a lot of fear that she would be get, that he would be given probably a, a you know an unfair advantage. So I have a solution. Would you like to hear it? I'm not sure what Maxine Waters' future is. But Maxine Waters is 85 years old. Maxine Waters, I'm not sure how much longer she wants to serve, but she could serve out the remainder. So that would be starting this week. And that would go through January of 2025, at which time she would be, I'm not sure when her birthday is. She would either be, you know, 86 or 87, depending on when her, where her birthday falls. Um, that's a good, you know, to, to do it. And retire. I think she'd make a great senator, but you know, um, she might want to continue running for her safe seat. Um, but I'm not sure how much she plans on serving. But if she doesn't plan on serving that much longer, I think that would. I think Maxine Waters would be an amazing choice. Yeah, that that's the only play, though, right, John? Is if she's if she's like not running again in 24, then I think you could do it. But then again, you need to call a special election and for her seat. So I think it's I think it's probably not. The, the move that he's going to go. I think she's probably wanting to. Yeah, but, but, but here's a question. Here's a question now. Um, do we really think. Um, uh, do, uh, since, do, do, do we, do we really think um, that uh, that one vote that we would lose for three to four months is going to make a difference? I don't think anything, especially now that Kevin is going to have to rely on Democrats. Uh, I, I, you know, I agree with you um, that you know we don't want to have to go to special election for her replacement, but I don't know if losing her for losing her seat for a couple of months, it would definitely not go to Republicans. It's, it, it'll definitely return back to Democrats. I don't know if losing her seat uh, would be that big of a deal because. Um, do we really think Congress is going to get anything done over the next year consequential? Are they just going to go ahead and continue to just at most be, you know, passing spending bills and everything else? I don't think there'll be any significant legislation to where uh, one vote would make a difference. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I just think she probably wants to stay there and add to her legacy. I, I, I think moving her out of the house for a temporary year and then just having her go off to the sunset. I, it doesn't make sense to me personally. So I totally get the sentiment though. Well, here's the, here's the question. Here's the question. If she's not running, we don't know. I'm not yeah. sure if she's announced her plans for 24. But if she's not running for re-election in 24, or even if she only plans on serving one more term, would retiring as a senator be, I think would be great for her. Yeah, no, totally. If If... By the way, if she says that, then Gavin should totally do it. But I'll give you another name. Right. Okay. So would you? Would you? Would you okay. Give me the other name. No, I'm saying if she if she comes in, it's like, hey, I'm not running again. 
give me the seat for a year. Let me ride out to the sunset. Then he should totally do it for sure. But I think it should be her cause what I'm saying. Here's another name. This person definitely does not want to be in politics. So it makes sense for a year just to, just to piss him off and then she can bounce out. But the Obamas are, are California residents now. And <laughs> if he's going to nominate a black woman. <laughs> no, but I know Michelle famously does not want it to be in politics, so I won't put that on her. But um, I agree. It's interesting. Oprah. Oprah. Oprah's also a California resident. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, it's interesting, as you said, because she's in the race, that it's going to be really hard to give somebody a leg up. Also, I was curious as the timing, right? Like they're in an election. He can't influence the election by choosing somebody. So he's going to have to choose somebody that doesn't want the seat after it's over, um, which is just interesting. But also, John, he came out and he confirmed it. He said, they asked him, he said, it will be days, not weeks. So I think we'll probably get something within the next 10 days because um, he's on it. And Gavin knows the game as well, too. So, but Let's not forget how this is happening. Feinstein is a legend. I know lately, um, even people on the on the left were kind of urging her to step down and 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 walk away. I I didn't know much about her legacy, John. I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos after it happened, and the, I didn't know about the the how the connection to Harvey Milk and then assassination and the mayor and all that stuff. So it was pretty fascinating to see her kind of history. Also, John, what's interesting is I saw somebody on MSNBC, one of her friends who was elected with her. Back in the day, I forgot her name. She was part of Congress, but she, from how she tells it, she just was in the mood to see her friend Diane, called her, went to her house the day it happened. They took a picture together. I don't know if you saw this, John. Um, they took a picture together, yeah, which I think. I forget the name. I forget the woman's name. Yeah, Congresswoman from like Orange County. But real quick before I go, I'll say the one thing, and I want people to understand. Some people have drawn a, a parallel to RBG. This is completely different. Uh, because we lost nothing by uh, by her staying to the end. We got all of our judges. We didn't miss one judge. Some of them were delayed. We didn't miss one judge. And unlike the RBG situation, she is she's in a you know Feinstein Feinstein was in a unique position to serve until her death. We lost nothing. Uh, it's not like a lot of consequential stuff was done. I know there was a lot of people just you know trying to push out the door. But, you know, for her to vote one day and die the next, it wasn't like she was invalid or what have you. I mean, granted, she wasn't as sharp as anything, but, you know, I, I, I have no problem with the way that played out. Uh, yeah, it's a completely different situation. We have a de- Democratic governor of California. So no matter what happened across the board, it was going to be fifth. Like, we didn't lose nothing. It was a, a, nothing other than, obviously, right. uh, Feinstein. But, yeah, I agree with your point. So I got to go. It's my parents' anniversary. Happy I'm not even going to hang around and chat when, once we're done. So I will talk to you later. All right. Peace out, man.